Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. You guys ready to go? Someone say, let's go. Let's go, son. All right, we're going to be talking um, about alignment today. We're going to be talking about anger today. Uh, And you're (laughs) probably wondering, how do the two come together? Well, you're going to find out pretty quick. I don't know if uh, anger has ever tried to derail your destination in any way, shape, or form. Show of hands. Yeah? Okay. So 90% of us. The rest of you? Doing great. Um, It's one of those things that if we let it, it will keep us from advancing and even misalign our relationships and our calling. So let's talk about how we can handle the emotion without the explosion. You like that? I posted the Incredible Hulk on online. I thought that's a great example that he had to learn to deal with that anger and not to become it. That's, there's a difference. So I want to talk, bless you, I want to talk about alignment and how anger can cause us to steer in the wrong direction. So when we are slightly off, and I don't have this in my notes, but think about this. I've used it in the context of a good thing. It could also be a bad thing. How many golfers in the house? Del Ho, look at that hand shoot up right here, pro, calling me out. All right. So Del knows this. If you hit a golf ball just a fraction of a millimeter off, it'll change the course of destiny for that golf ball, will it not? Yes or no? Well, the same thing goes in your life. There are little things... If you do the right thing, it can change the course of the direction in the right way. But if you do the wrong thing, just a small thing can have a large, lasting impact on where you end up in life. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his word. And thank God for the alignment that we get when we seek him and what he has to say about our situation. So when we're slightly off, we become easily agitated. We become angry at times. And when we get angry, we become out of line. And our attitude has a lot to do, again, with alignment. So think about this for a moment. Think about when your vehicle is out of line and you need to bring it in for an alignment, right? You know you need to do it. You begin begin to be pulled in a different direction. And if you take your hands off the wheel just for a moment, you hit the ditch. Or worse, you hit somebody else. Woo! You're wearing out your tires, you're pulling, you're putting more stress on your engine, and guess what? You're even burning more fuel than you were meant to burn. Not to mention, you're causing stress on your bearings. Should I just walk away from there? Okay. How's it going? But you put up with it. Why? Because it's an inconvenience. It's gonna cost you. So you've learned to live with it, right? You just, you just, every time you get in there, you know you're going to either be pulling the left or pulling the right when your vehicle was meant to go straight. So we either justify it, we subscribe to it, or we try to hide it. But it's costly, and it's going to cost you a lot more down the road. So let's step into God's Word today, and let's do a quick realignment. Let's just not step into His Word. Let's step into His garage. We'll do a quick realignment with what he has to say. So we're going to go through the book of Jonah today. How many have read the book of Jonah lately? Yeah. Yeah, guess what? There's stuff in there that I didn't know that God put in there, and all of a sudden it stands out to me different. Go figure. Why? Because his word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it reveals the things that are deep within our hearts, things we got to deal with, right, that we've maybe been trying to avoid. So 
to sum up the book of Jonah, I've left some spaces for you to write some stuff down that you may already know or not know. But the book, book of Jonah is about a, a, a rebellious prophet who is angry at God for loving his enemies. Jonah appears only one other time in the Old Testament, and that's during the reign of uh, Jeroboam. Am I saying that right? And he is the second, Jeroboam the second, of the Israelites' worst kings, okay? And Jonah prophesies in this king's favor, promising that he will win a battle. Now at the same time, the prophet uh, Amos also confronts the king through God's reversed prophecy. Yeah, saying that Jeroboam would lose all his territory because he was so so terrible, so horrible. So before the story of Jonah even begins, we are a little bit suspicious about his character. Now, in the book of Jonah, there is only four chapters. The first chapter is Jonah and the sailors, right? Because he is sent out to go to the city of Nineveh. That's where God calls him to go. But instead, he goes in the opposite direction to Tarshish. And Tarshish, if you look up the history of Tarshish, it was known for its finances, it was known for its wealth, it was known specifically for its gold. So one might say that he was, he was choosing cash over calling. He was choosing a profession over God's purpose. Either way, God wanted him to go one way and he chose to go another, so he finds himself with these sailors on board the ship. I'll get more into that. Chapter 2 is a prayer of repentance, kind of. <laughs> it's a kind of prayer of repentance. And Jonah in the belly of the whale, because God causes uh, him to be swallowed up by a whale, why, we'll get into that later. But he repents. Uh, you'd repent too if you were in a sticky, stinky situation like that. And in chapter 3, Jonah and his, is uh, about him and his hated enemies, the Ninevites. And in chapter 4 is a prayer in which Jonah chews out God for being so nice. I think in your blankets, chews out. <laughs> he chews out God for being so nice. So we have a man of God who rebels and hates his own God. Sailors who are supposed to be immoral, but have soft, uh, um, repentive hearts with humanity towards God. We also have the king of the most powerful, murderous empire on the planet who humbles himself before God because of Jonah's five-word sermon. And even the animals repent. <laughs> we'll read about it. We would call this a satire. Stories about well-known figures who are placed in extreme circumstances using humor and irony to critique their stupidity and their character flaws. I love the Bible. The story opens up with God commissioning Jonah to speak to the city of Nineveh, the capital city of Assyrian, the empire. And Israel, this was Israel's enemy. And instead of going east to Nineveh, Jonah goes to the opposite direction to Tarshish, and the man of God tries to run from God. Come on. Is there any man of God in the house where you think, maybe, just maybe, I'm running away from him instead of towards him right now? You don't have to put your hands up. He falls asleep in the ship, 
and God sends a storm. The sailors recognize there is there is a um, a, def, a divine power behind the storm. And they question Jonah, and when the sailors ask what we should do, guess what Jonah says? Kill me. One of the most selfish things that Jonah can do by putting the, his blood on these sailors' hands so that he doesn't have to go to Nineveh. He tries to force them to kill him. The sailors are reluctant, they repent to God, and they even, even when they toss Jonah into the sea and the storm stops, they end up fearing the God of Israel. Unlike Jonah, they actually worship God. God causes Jonah to be swallowed by a whale. He writes this song slash prayer, and God causes the whale to spit Jonah onto dry land. Now, Nineveh. Nineveh was a large city with about 130,000 people and would have taken days to walk through. You know what I thought of when I heard those numbers? That's like the Fraser Valley. That's like going all through the Fraser Valley area and surrounding area and giving a message that God tells you to give to the people. It would have taken days for him to walk through. And Jonah's message is... Sorry, it takes him about 40 days to get through Nineveh. Or sorry, his message is this, sorry. 40 more days and Nineveh will be turned over. Okay? So sorry, just to clarify that, I don't know how long it took him to get through there, but the message was 40 days. You got 40 days, Nineveh's being turned over. It's five words in Hebrew. The sermon is short, and it's odd. Can you see what's missing in his sermon? There's no mention of what the Ninevites have done wrong, how they've sinned, how they should respond, and there's no mention of God. This is like he's trying to sabotage his own message by giving the minimum amount of information or ensuring the destruction of the Ninevites. Whatever his motives are, his plan doesn't work and the whole city repents. <laughs> so for the second time in Jonah, these, these evil people show themselves to be more responsive than God's own prophet. Wow! The last word of Jonah's short sermon is the word overturned, which means turned over. It could refer to a city being overthrown or destroyed, like Sodom and Gomorrah, or it could be as something being transformed, like turned over and changed into the opposite. Comically, Jonah's words come true, but not the way that he intended. And that's where we're going to end up in the final chapter of Jonah 4. You still with me, men? Okay. So there's only 10 verses today. So let's start with the men online. And each take a verse there, men online. I can see them on the screen. You guys are right on point. 
All right, let's keep rocking then. So what's the point? (laughs) The point is the book is trying to mess with us. God's question here is actually addressed to us, the reader. Are you okay that God loves your enemy? This book is a mirror. We see the worst parts of our character magnified, and hopefully this generates humility and gratitude that God would love his enemies and put up with the Jonah in all of us. This story is a message of good news. The wideness of God's mercy, and this ought to challenge our hearts. But to Jonah, let's start in verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. First point, when it seems wrong, don't whine. (laughs) It sounds so basic, but imagine if we all applied this in our life. When it seems wrong, it seems unfair, don't attack, don't whine. That means there's going to be times when you don't agree with God and how he is handling things with those that you dislike or those that are in authority. Especially when it comes to grace and mercy. Remember, our response is always our responsibility. And it should be enough to know as Christians that we reflect the character of Christ in our actions. When people wrong us, we can either whine and let the devil win or we can show compassion and know that Christ has already won. When we whine, we don't just miss breakthrough. We miss the blessing. What battles, man, have you been facing that seem unfair? Write it down. (laughs) Come on. And where can you find God's mercy and compassion in your circumstance? Write it down. Verse 4. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Hmm. I like the wording and the way that God is challenging Jonah here. Is it right for you to listen up? Be angry. The answer is no. You may feel angry, but don't let it overtake you to the place where you become it angry. Otherwise, you let your emotion get the best of you and everyone else gets the worst of you. You can't be right with God and wrong with others. You can't. You can't love God and hate others. Point two. (laughs) When it seems like you have the right, who do you fight? When it seems like you've got the right, who do you fight? direction do you point 
your ammunition at. You know that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Some heavy ammunition. There are many times when we as believers start fighting the very ones that we should be fighting for or with. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we are fighting others, we're actually fighting God. That's his child. That's his daughter. That's his son. What would you do as a parent if someone else started fighting your kids? Hmm. Now, if it's your children fighting one another, what would you do? You'd discipline them, wouldn't you? You'd correct them. You would say, oh, that's not really nice what you're doing there. Oh, don't do that thing again. Use your please and thank you. No, there's going to be. He disciplines the ones he loves. Yes, exactly. And how come we're so shocked <laughs> when we get disciplined? Jonah had a problem with authority. He struggled with following orders because he didn't agree with the assignment and therefore he lost his alignment. Uh, he didn't just he didn't just lack calling he lacked covenant he wouldn't commit to God's call because he didn't like where it would take him and it was never part of his plans instead he ran the opposite direction I wonder where we're running from God so let's be honest. When we don't get our way or we don't see justice, sometimes we justify acting like jerks. I think I left a blank for that one for you. Right? Come on. We've been there. You justify acting like a jerk. You're not a jerk. That's not the way God created you to be, but you're acting like it. So don't become a jerk. Don't become angry. You might feel like a jerk and be acting like a jerk, but that's not who God created you to be and that's not who you are in his image. So act like it. We start questioning God's calling on our own life and then we compromise our commitments. It's a good one to put in your notes. I didn't put it in there. When we start to question God's calling on our lives, we start to compromise our commitments. And that starts right now. It could be in your family, in your home, in the workplace. It could be in the church. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over up over Jonah to give him shade over his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy. <laughs> Finally. All these people get saved and he's not happy and then he gets a plant to give him shade and he gets happy. What's in it for me? I want comfort. I don't want calling. Well, I do want calling, but you know, we, we have those thoughts. And we choose, we choose, we choose to celebrate the comforts instead of the callings. Instead of celebrating that we're in the battle, we get to fight from victory. We get to fight for the Lord. We get to disciple others. We get to be in the mess, in the trenches. We get to see transformation. We get to see salvations. We get to see baptism. We get to see deliverance. Come on. But it come, you're in the battlefield. 
Some of you are getting hit with bullets and arrows and, and you've got cuts, you've got wounds, you got, better yet, you got scars because they represent the battles you've been through and that you've overcome and you've been healed. You're not walking around open wounds, pouring out, pouring out like, ah, uh, like naked walking through without your armor on. I like that jacket, Larry, by the way. Gotta see his jacket later. He's got a crest with the armor of God all over his heart. I mean, we're going to choose to wear all kinds of things. Yes, spiritually, we put on the spiritual armor of God, but why not actually put it on your, on you? I mean, I'm doing a good job rep representing Harley Davidson, but I could be representing my heavenly father. Everything we do, we should do on purpose for a purpose, and I admire that about you, Larry, and so many men in this room. So he gets excited about the plant. Verse 7 says, but at dawn, <laughs> the next day God provides a worm which chews up the plant so that it will wither. Point three, God may use discomfort to redirect your calling. Whew. Wakes us up sometimes, doesn't it? God sent the whale, but he also sent the worm. Everybody knows the story about the whale. They're thinking about the big whale that swallowed Jonah, but they're not thinking about the little worm that chewed up the leaf that God sent the whale, but he also sent the worm. The little things are the big things, man. Little annoyance, little thing that's just, ah, that little thing that's going to redirect you, and you're looking for the big fish story. But he also sent the worm. Both put Jonah, the whale and the worm, both put Jonah in a state of discomfort so God could redirect Jonah's calling. Things don't go the way that we planned. Or we feel life is unfair. Maybe stop for a moment and ask yourself, where is my faith? Could God possibly be working on my character as well as my calling. Calling is no good without the right character. God is after our hearts, men. And if we're not careful, we'll miss the mark and we'll miss the meaning. The meaning of the worm. But, Jonah, but God said to Jonah in verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. I love this. This time when I read it, I laughed my head off. I've been there. You make such a big deal about such a little thing, and you're ready to like, I'm thrown in the towel, Lord. I'm done. I can't take one more complaint about the loud music in this church. <laughs> I'm not going to throw the towel in over that. <laughs> right? You've been there. You know you're wrong. But you think you're right. You justify it, so you act like a jerk. <laughs> and God still loves you. Jonah's response is actually so hilarious because we can all relate. Being selfish to the point of death instead of selfless to the point of deliverance. 
the same thing happened on the boat with the whale when he tried to put his blood on the hands of the sailors to end his life. He is, take me, Lord, I'm done. Nope, I'm not done. That's the most selfish thing that you could do because I put a gift in you that I'm calling out of you and other people are waiting for it. You with me? All right. That's what it says in uh, Deuteronomy. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you because here's the thing, you can choose that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life. So that you and who else? Your children may live. Choice is yours. Choose life. We need to stop focusing on our plans and our ways and make sure that we are in line with God's. It's a message for all of us. And in all times and in all places, giving thanks for all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. What does the rest say? And are called according to what? Your purpose? Your plans? Whoa. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but God establishes their steps. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Can I get an amen? Ho, when you're having depressive, anxious thoughts, yes, thank you online. Thank you, Lord, that we can stop for a moment in his presence and pause and know that he's got it if we are called according to his purpose. To be anxious about nothing, but everything through prayer and thanksgiving. There it is again. We make our requests known to God. And then whatever is godly, whatever is loving, whatever is true, whatever is noble, we meditate on these things. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So there's going to be times when you feel anxious, but don't be anxious. There's times when you're going to feel angry, but don't become what you feel. Don't let it overtake you and take you out. You're still in the game, man. And actually, it's not a game. It's a battle. You're still in the battle, man. You showed up today. We had two young men jog to church today. How long is that that run that you guys had to do? A 30-minute jog? These guys should be an example to all of us. Young men that are choosing to start their week off and not just like, I'm going to cruise in to church today, half awake, and hope they got coffee for me so I can get my eyeballs open. (laughs) I was inspired by these men. I didn't run here. I ran my car here. And I thought about the whole alignment thing all the way here. But I came with my boys. We had the worship music cranked. We came in pre-praised, (laughs) pre-prepared, ready to receive, knowing in advance that God moves and always has moved in this lambs to lions group. So we come with expectation and that expectation brings on the anointing. Hands lifted high. 
eyes on him. Looking above the mountains. Where does our strength come from? It doesn't come from the mountains. It comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121. We come in ready to receive. But if we're not careful, anger will cause misalignment. If we seek after our own way instead of God's way, we start to fall out instead of of falling all in for God. I get it, man. It is a tension to manage, not just daily several times during the day. May we fall in love with what not with what the world has to offer, but instead of what the word, what the word, Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Let us fall in love with his plans and purposes for us. And it's not just so to, to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope, our hope, our future, his hope, his future. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Again, the book is a mirror. We see the worst parts of our own character magnified. And hopefully this generates humility and gratitude that God would put up with the Jonah in all of us. This is the message of good news. The vastness of God's love and his mercy. May this message challenge our character and our hearts stand with me men the takeaway is this you probably already filled it in anger causes misalignment when it comes to our assignment Lord Jesus we thank you for your word today we thank you that it does speak life into us Lord it speaks to our heart we come and we live through your word through discovery And through that discovery of your word and that insight and that revelation, Lord, we develop that area in our life now according to your will and your word. And Lord, we are prepared to be sent out in September because you have chosen us for such a time as this. Lord, let us not be overwhelmed and overcome by the feeling of anger but learn to direct it in the right place, to know who our true enemy is, and to love one another. For how else will they know you but by our love for one another? For love keeps no record of wrong. It hopes for the best, it looks for the best, it endures all things. It is patient, it is kind, it is not self-seeking. Lord, we seek you first in all things and knowing that all things will be added. In your name we pray, amen. If you're here today and this message hit you as hard as it hit me, and you need to come to a place of repentance, the beauty of this all is this, that if we confess our sins to one another, that he is just and faithful to forgive us of all of our sin and wipe our slate as clean and as white as snow. He remembers our sin no more. 
such a beautiful promise from our Lord and Savior. If there's anything that you need to give God in this moment, I ask just in a moment of silence as the band is playing right now. Under your breath, just, just give it to God. If you know you've been struggling with anger, give it to God. Anxiety, give it to God. Depression, give it to God. Fear, self-doubt, give it to God. We're going to let God and let go in this moment right now. And if, and if you don't have a relationship with God or this is your comeback moment, Paul says in Romans 10 verse 9, if we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God the Father raised his son from the grave, that we will be saved. He did that for you. He laid his life down for you. He took on the punishment of sin and death for you. In Ephesians it says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. If today is your hurt, today is your healing. If today is your hurt, today is your healing. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a position or a place in your heart. Just repeat after me and we'll do a fresh start. Here we go. Say, dear Jesus, let me hear his name again. Say, dear Jesus, I confess. I confess that I've sinned. I confess that I've struggled. And I'm humbly coming before you. Please forgive me. Fill up my heart. Come into my heart. Be Lord over my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave three days later. I choose now. I choose now to follow you, to put aside my plans and to seek yours in all things and in all times. In your name, amen. If you prayed this prayer, whether it be for the first time or where you're coming back today, it's a little dark in here, but just put your hand up. All heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Thank you, Lord. If you're online and this is your comeback moment to the Lord today, just give me a little cool emoji, maybe a thumbs up emoji online. That's what I want to see. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I see your hand and he sees you. And just so you know, all the men that are here right now, we lift all of you men up online and prayer is powerful no matter the place that you are because God's position in your heart and in your life and in your family is greater than anything else that you may face. That goes the same for you that are listening in this podcast today. May God's peace be upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Can we give it up for the word of God today? Um, so we're going to, the next thing we do here at College Street is baptism. Last Sunday after the service, we had uh, a young couple come up, waited till everyone was gone, and, and we were out on the patio, and almost everyone was gone on the patio too. But some people stuck behind and stuck around. And they came forward and they asked if they could be baptized, and we did that thing. It was awesome. It's powerful. 
We're commissioned in it. It's part of the calling. It's not part of convenience. It's not part about when, at what time is convenient for you. For Jesus said, we are to go into all the world making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey his commands and surely he is with us always till he ends this earth. So in baptism, when we go in the water, we are baptized with Christ. It represents when he went to the grave. We come up out of the water, it says that we are resurrected with Christ. Isn't that right, Rick? Most powerful thing you'll probably ever witness. You're resurrected with him. Everything else, the past, the old you stays dead in that water. And he who is in Christ, he is made new. The old is gone, the new has come. If you're ready for newness, and you're ready to step into baptism, come forward at this time as we worship together. We'd be honored to do that with you. Let's go, men. Let's worship. Thank you for tuning in today, and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.